Well, Advent season has begun. The word Advent means coming, and it is a time for Christians to celebrate the birth of Jesus while asking, is this the year that Jesus will come again? The question excites in us a hope, and hope is essential to healthy living. That's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about hope. I've heard it said, the human can live four weeks without food and four days without water, but we can't live four seconds without hope. Humans seek after hope like moths seek after light. It's intrinsic to who we are. Neuroscientist Tylee Sherrock says hope is so essential to our survival that it's hardwired into our brains. She argues that it can be the difference between living a healthier life versus one trapped by despair. Studies show hopeful college kids get higher GPAs and are more likely to graduate. Hopeful athletes perform better on the field, cope better with injuries, and have greater mental adjustment when situations change. In one study of the elderly, those who said they felt hopeless were more than twice as likely to die during the study follow-up period than those who were more hopeful. It's pretty clear. Hope is a powerful catalytic. And it's why Dr. Shane Lopez, the psychologist who was regarded as the world's leading researcher on hope, he claimed that hope isn't just an emotion, but it's an essential life tool. All this talk of hope reminds me of a favorite verse found in Lamentations chapter 3, starting in verse 21. So Jeremiah is a prophet. He's speaking this passage. He says, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. And this is where our message comes from today, because I believe this passage will help you focus your attention on God for the hope we all need this Christmas. So Lamentations, it's a lengthy lament by this prophet Jeremiah about people's continued rebellion against God. The people are suffering and Jeremiah lives afflicted. My guess is that you'll be surprised that Jeremiah continues to have hope once you read what he is daily facing. So the chapter 66 verses, so here's a helpful outline. The first 18 verses are a lament list Then we have a taming truth, that's 19 through 40. Then we have a passionate prayer. So the three sections provide for us a plan of how we can live in hope. So let's start with the lament list. So here are some of the phrases Jeremiah uses to describe his situation during what we will quickly see is a difficult season. I want you to feel all the feels that Jeremiah has in this troubling situation. And as I read them off, I want to ask you this question. Should Jeremiah feel hopeless? Here we go, verse two. He is driven and brought into darkness without any light. Verse four, his flesh and skin waste away. He has broken bones. Verse five, he is besieged and enveloped with bitterness and tribulation. Verse seven, he cannot escape and his chains are heavy. Whoa. So we pause and ask, well, who's doing all this to Jeremiah? And we find out in verse 8 that the person doing this or allowing this is God. Look at verse 8. Though I call and cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. Now, this is unsettling. We don't like to think that God causes or allows difficulties that make us feel hopeless. 
But the scripture reveals time and time again that this is how God chooses to work. And I am tempted in this moment to make excuses for why God works in this way, but that's not my role to play. But I will say that difficulties can be a refining crucible where lingering doubt and false idols are burned away. So whether or not God is causing your affliction or allowing it to happen, I want you to know that it can be used by God to transform you into the person he wants you to become. So we have this lament list by Jeremiah. So the list of hardship goes on to include phrases like this in verse 11. He, God, tore me to pieces. Or verse 14, I have become the laughingstock of all peoples. Verse 17, I have forgotten what happiness is. And then finally, we read in verse 20, my soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. And you could go and read it all yourself, but what we can easily read is a list of very good reasons for Jeremiah to live without hope. Now, as I alluded to earlier, this list is a personal, as a personal distress list, it parallels that of a larger group of God's people living at the same time Jeremiah is a prophet. This group of Israelites is called the tribe of Judah. Now, as God's representative to speak to this people, Jeremiah himself is experiencing their same difficulty. The difference is this, as, as it seems, is that Judah suffered because they chose to sin against God. Look at Lamentations chapter 3, verse 39. Why should a living man complain, a man, about the punishment of his sins? Their punishment and affliction was because of their sin, whereas Jeremiah's suffering was just a part of his everyday experience living in a broken world among these sinful people. In either situation, though, God is our only source of hope for, relief, uh, hope for relief and deliverance. So for 20 verses, before talking about hope, Jeremiah gets honest about his situation. And I think it gives us an action step to find hope in this Christmas season. So here's what you must do. You must go on and get out what you are feeling about your situation. What makes you feel hopeless? I want you to make a lament list. And then you're gonna take that list and you're gonna tell it to God or you're gonna tell it to a close friend or maybe even a counselor. You want to write these things down, write a song about it, paint a picture about it. And I'm not just telling you to blurt out your lament list to any, just anyone because most people won't get it. But what I am saying is that you got to be honest about what you're feeling. What is it that makes you feel hopeless? Now, I know that some of you grew up in homes where for whatever reason, there wasn't a lot of place for your feelings. But I want you to know God gave that to you. And the way that you can move forward in hope and experiencing hope is just to be honest about the feelings that you're feeling, the things that make you feel hopeless. Now, I'm going to actually give you a moment during this sermon. I'm going to pause right here and I'm gonna ask you to take a moment and say out loud, maybe you're watching this alone, maybe you're with family, say out loud what it is that makes you feel hopeless in this season. So you're gonna do it right now. Or maybe you don't wanna say it out loud Maybe instead what you'll do is get a piece of paper and write it down or maybe take one of the apps in your phone and type it in there. What is it? So take a moment right now and do that.
Now that you've taken some time to make your list, we get to the second part of Lamentations chapter 3. It's taming truth. I want you to notice that Jeremiah didn't just blabber on about what he was feeling. He called to mind a truth. Feelings are important, but they cannot be allowed to run crazy without the taming power of the truth of God's word. Lamentations chapter 3 verse 22. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Now, we want you to remember this passage. So we've made a reproducible graphic for you to print and frame however you like as a reminder of this taming truth. So to get it, you can click the link in this video or we'll send it out in our weekly email. If Jeremiah could call this truth to mind in such a difficult time, we can too. Now, there's this phrase in here, steadfast love. It comes from the Hebrew, Hebrew word hesed. It's quite possibly the juiciest word in the Old Testament, and it means loyal, steadfast, unrelenting love of God. When we read it in the Old Testament, we're reminded that God is sticking with the people he's chosen. You know, nearly every time Israel felt troubled, they chose to remind one another of God's steadfast love. The greatest demonstration of this unrelenting love for Israel was the Exodus. Do you remember the story? The Exodus is a story of deliverance from 400 years of slavery to the Egyptians. God sent Moses to lead them out of bondage, and they regularly reminded each other of this deliverance, and it enabled them to find hope in adversity. I love the part of Lamentations 3, his mercies are new every morning. And I'm reminded of how the story of the Exodus included this part where each morning the Israelites would wake up to manna, to food, just for that day. So to this day, the Jews celebrate the display of God's unrelenting love with this Passover meal as a reminder to hope in God for deliverance. Well, the message for all people is the Christian message of an even greater story of deliverance from slavery to sin, and it's made possible by Jesus who God sent to free us from bondage. This is the greatest demonstration of God's hesed, his unrelenting love towards us in Christ. And without Jesus, you have no real hope. You see, because Jesus makes it possible for us to hope in the situation that makes us feel hopeless. If we put our ultimate hope in Jesus, we can experience a real hope no matter the difficulty. And this is why we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And this is our hope as we anticipate his return. So I wanna to return to our passage in Lamentations chapter three for a moment. And there's so much more that Jeremiah is saying that can teach us about hope in affliction. And I'm not gonna to get to it all, but I do want you to know that in verses 25 through 40, he attempts to develop in the reader a proper attitude toward difficulties that might make them feel hopeless. So let me just list these off. God's ultimate restoration gives lasting hope. That's verses 25 through 30. And God's compassion and love inspire hope during affliction. We also see that God does not delight in affliction. That's in verse 33. Then in verses 34 through 36, God especially dislikes affliction brought on by injustice. Then we see God is still sovereign where there is affliction. Verse 39, we see that God allows affliction brought on by sin. And then in verse 40, we see God uses affliction to turn people back to him. Now, I know that's a lot at once, and I would encourage you to go read it yourself. 
But I want you to have the hope that whatever makes you feel hopeless can be used by God for a greater purpose. And that ultimate purpose is to turn your heart to him. Look there in verse 40. It says, let us test and examine our ways and return to the Lord. Let us lift up our hearts and our hands to God in heaven. This is what's possible in the difficult situation that you're facing. And then Jeremiah gets into this part we're calling a passionate prayer. This is what he does as he's reminding or calling to mind this truth of how they can hope in God. We direct our attention to the Lord. This means we will not find real hope with a focus on our troubles. We have our list, but we can't focus there. You see, there will always be adversity in this life. We'll be afflicted by the sins of others. We'll suffer from our own sinful choices. And it all can make us feel so hopeless. So we direct our attention to the Lord in prayer. Now, this is not the kind of prayer that we often do before a meal. You know what I'm talking about those kinds of prayers that are short and sweet because we're ready to eat? No, I'm talking about the kind of prayers like Jeremiah describes in verse 49. Listen to this. My eyes will flow without ceasing. He's crying, he's weeping without respite. It will not stop, verse 50, until the Lord from heaven looks down and sees. My eyes cause me grief at the fate of all the daughters of my city. Do you feel the intensity of this kind of praying? And it reveals how desperately he wants God to work. So we pray, we have our list, we call to mind the truth, and then we pray in desperation that God will give us hope. We pray giving charge to God for our enemies. We pray because God's presence is able to drown out the daily affliction. We pray because without God, we will forget that his mercies are new every morning, making our souls alive. There's so much more that I could say. But I want you to know that hoping in God makes affliction bearable. And I know you're feeling some kind of thing right now with all that's going on, but I just want you to remember this truth. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end, and they are new every morning. Put your hope in him through your faith in Christ, which will give you access to God's spirit. So three parts, a lament list, and I've invited you to make a list of your own. The taming truth, I want you to post that passage somewhere, memorize it, and then the passionate prayer. I want you to take time to go to God and with passion, tell him about what's going on in your mind and your heart. Express to him what troubles you. You don't have to protect God from your feelings. He he knows what's in you. Go to God. You see, this Christmas season, we anticipate the celebration of the birth of Jesus while also asking, is this the year that Jesus will come? And many of us have something in our lives that can make us feel hopeless. And what I'm saying to you is that you can find hope in the Lord. And I hope you will. So let's think on and pray about these things.